Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Ray, and I am delighted to be joined this Friday afternoon by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello. And by Dominic Booth. Hello. Nice to prize you both away from the cricket to talk about a real sport for a change. Um, <laughs> Not for had, long, though. <laughs> you've had a, a busy week, both of you. You've both got the joys of a Monday night in Wolverhampton under the lights the light show was on but not much of a show from United held to another draw I guess against Wolves they had to draw last season two defeats at Molyneux uh, do you see it as progress the fact that United went to Molyneux and got a point after two defeats last season or is it a case of what could have been I think despite the penalty palaver it was kind of what I expected in that there was an improvement on last season but there's still an awful lot of room for improvement there the fact there are no leaders in this team, whatever people say, there's not a designated one. There's not a designated panacea. There's also not a designated captain. That is still that, those are two issues that need to be rectified. The penalty thing is is dated, but it, it's quite a junior squad, and I thought that that the debate over who takes the penalty that kind of encapsulated the immaturity that. Is, is at United where it is a young squad I think the team they played the other night was the youngest since the Palace game on the last day um, three seasons ago yeah, when, when Angel it's Gomez made his debut yeah. so in that respect it, it wasn't a surprise that they drew I didn't I didn't think they'd beat Wolves but on reflection apart from a funny five minutes they were pretty good um, they didn't create an awful lot of chances but the way they used the ball there um, the, the way they're comfortable in possession was was reassuring I suppose for people who think that they, they can't play that way the counter side to that is that they didn't really create too much with it and their best chance in the second half was, was Pogba's penalty um, but a, a draw at Wolves in the grand scheme of things at the time it certainly didn't feel like a positive point because they really spurned the opportunity to, to possibly win the game with the whole uh, penalty fiasco but I think now the dust has settled a lot of people are probably looking at it thinking that's not too bad that but I think from the standards United won what Solskjaer wants it was ultimately an opportunity even after two games to go top and it was overshadowed by just it just beggar belief that it came to that that you had two players debating over who should take a penalty and it, the more you think about it you, you posted the stat about how I mean I didn't know that Pogba had missed more than any other Premier League oh, yeah. player over the last year the more you think about it the more it's ju- it was just utterly nonsensical that, that he did take it and if they continue with that routine and, and Pogba misses another one then it, it just you know it, 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 it exacerbates the issue there yeah Dom like someone said there though the first half United absolutely bossed it really and they didn't really have anything against them. You even think about the the whole game. Wolves had the head of hit the post, and they scored the the great goal for Ruben Neves. But in terms of United's actual performance, it wasn't one in which maybe Wolves actually played. No, I think they restricted oh, Wolves well. really well. Um, you know, in the first half, De Gea had virtually nothing to do. United's pressing game, which is uh, probably the newest aspect of, of their style this, this season, newest one that, you, that is tangible on the pitch, it seems to be working really well. I know Jesse Lingard is uh, often a, a figure of... Um, the fans' criticism on social media have actually thought he's quite integral to that in in the number 10 role that he was playing. Um, Martial seems to be a new player, seems to be energised and obviously took his goal really well. And to think that United have only been beaten in two games against fellow top six contenders by 
120 yard screamer from Ruben Neves uh, is a testament to how much their defence is, is improving. Wambasaka was absolutely phenomenal again, I thought. And um, yeah, there were lots of lots of plus points to take over. And, and like Samuel said, it's just a bit of a shame that that penalty incident, whatever we're going to call it, over, fiasco, yeah, fiasco, palava. There's been a few words attached to it that that overshadowed what was a, a pretty positive night. I thought and Samuel, I guess while well, we talk about the penalty palava as well. Uh, if Rui Patricio had died the other way, no one's talking about Paul Pogba this week. Do you think it's just comes to the territory of who Paul Pogba is that so much has been made out of it? Or do you think it is just maybe uh, cracks that are still in the United States? Like you said, it's a team about a leader. It, it is. If, if he scores, then no one cares, do they? It, it is, but he, he didn't score. And he's, unfortunately with him, got a reputation for not not scoring penalties. And it's, it's not a good, you know, Rep, his his hit rate it's it's just not a good enough ratio whereas as people keep on saying about Rashford I know he's only taken four penalties I think in his professional career but one was in a World Cup knockout England's only ever shootout win in the World Cup um, so that's a hell of a pressure cooker environment and the other and another one was against Paris Saint-Germain after that you know that, that long wait between Kimpembe's handball and him having to take it was something like four minutes I think that was a real test of bottle and, and he passed it and then of course he'd scored one eight days earlier against Chelsea um, I think with Pogba as, as we've seen unfortunately with some cowardly keyboard warriors on Twitter because of his profile it is always it's, it's always amplified Ashley Young was racially abused by some by some, I don't know we can't swear on this can we um, by some, easier edit if you don't yes <laughs> was was racially abused by some backwards morons in April after the mistake against Barcelona Tammy Abraham was recently um, it's it's just an issue in society unfortunately and it does seem to be getting worse because of the politics of the time what's happened in recent years um, both sides of the Atlantic and you know, tw- Twitter is a cesspit a lot of the time. There are a lot of people on there who engage in very um, diplomatic ways, and you know the, the engagement can be good sometimes. But it's just as well that the notification settings you can pretty much zone out from all the all the guff that comes your way, whether you're a footballer, a journalist, or a fan who has an opinion that others don't agree with. And obviously, you know, yeah, Pogba should never have to be subjected to that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, Twitter is policed about as competently as Springfield is by Chief Wiggum. So we're in this situation where I think it was the the, um, the Chelsea correspondent of Goal who quote tweeted something that was uh, tweeted at him, where he someone disagreed with what he'd said and called him by a term that was referring to his um, ethnicity, and it was undeniably racist you it, it's a word that a primary school pupil would know is racist he had reported it and twitter said that didn't break their terms of violation so when it, it when it comes to that it's it's awful and the people in our newsroom who have copped it as well it's, it's genuinely unpleasant and of course these people who um you know have the courage to get on their keyboards and tweet abuse at people they've certainly not got the uh, courage to meet you outside the press room at Old Trafford when you make the invite which people have at times and of course that's when they go quiet Yeah, and there was actually the, the, the funniest thing is that there was someone from one of the uh, 
um, the parasitic Twitter accounts who emailed me last week who had abused me four years ago in a really, really vile way and was asking, um, because he's obviously, I don't know, he, he's, he's gone through puberty or something like that, but he's at a stage now where he feels more adult and he was apologising for his behaviour and he asked if I could unblock him because it would be easier to follow me to get my uh, the info that I tweet out just so that it can facilitate the info he will then um, siphon off and put out through this yeah this account that he's trying to make money from so it's it swings and roundabouts eventually these uh, these blockheads will actually grow up right on right on cue as well yeah <laughs> All the United players obviously came out and uh, showed their support as well for Pogba Maguire also saying that maybe actions need to be taken in terms of the way that social media is policed and stuff but as Samuel said maybe it's just uh, I mean football's always going to be at the epicentre of any community really and it's probably just maybe a wider implication of the way that the world is at the moment And Yeah I mean I wrote a piece about how um, United need to need to you know disregarding the racist stuff for a second because obviously it's obvious that that is yeah, that is completely moronic it, it, you know that the, those people probably deep down know what they what they're saying is absolutely deplorable but from a sort of from the footballing perspective united have embraced Pogba's confidence and that was part of the the penalty saga in the first place that Solskjaer still had faith in him um and even in his press conference on Friday morning, how he hasn't ruled out the possibility of Pogba taking a penalty for United again. But that's because United embraced Pogba's ego in a way, um, and they want to they want to give him the responsibility. They want to give him a key role. His role in the team is absolutely massive this season because they just don't have anything else in midfield in terms of creativity, in terms of trying to keep the ball. Scott McTominay is is the shuttler, and Pogba is the is the creator. So. You know, United United have a delicate situation to handle with Pogba from a footballing perspective, and I think they need to they need to sort of continue to massage his ego really, and maybe the penalty saga is is a unfortunate consequence of that. Even though it's just so obvious that Rashford should have taken it and that Rashford should be the penalty taker going forward, maybe that maybe that'll happen. Solskjaer didn't seem very confident that it would happen in his press conference. Yeah, it's a difficult one, I guess, for Solskjaer because he can't rule out Pogba. Otherwise, it creates a different story that you don't want altogether. Well, the European transfer windows are still open, aren't they? And exactly. As much as United got- won't yeah. let him leave. I mean, Pogba's got to stay in next year. You want it to be a happy year from his point of view, anyway. Yeah. Kind of one player who had a. Uh, Warm reception from the home fans was Daniel James Samuel's first full start for the club. He went down under that chance from Jean Moutinho in the first half. Depends which replay you looked at. Of maybe if he went down softly or not. Uh, what do you make of his first start? He definitely looks like a player who's better suited off the bench and as an impact player, and maybe one who who might find himself on the bench again this weekend. I had reservations about starting him in a game like that purely because just because someone comes on and scores a goal, as Solskjaer knows, doesn't mean you deserve to start and maybe that in, in a in a way informed his decision there and that there were a number of occasions where he'd come on and score and he wouldn't be starting and he probably felt as though he would have deserved to have started but Wolves away is out, out, outside the top six it's, it's tougher it's than the toughest. top six games yeah I, I was just about to say it, it's probably tougher than going to Chelsea this season or tougher than going to to Arsenal potentially still 
so he was always going to have his work cut out. And as we discovered on, on the tour and had suspected already, uh, he is not good as a right winger either. So United have gone out and the only forward they've signed has been another left winger. And he just didn't, I think the first time he got the ball, he gave it away. And sometimes I remember when you haven't watched Nanny, if he started a game badly, you knew you might as well take him off right there and then because he was not going to get any better. If he started a game off well, he was going to be brilliant. And wings can be erratic like that anyway. And, and maybe with James, you've got to cut him some slack in that he he was playing out of position effectively. Um, first Premier League start, he's come from the championship. But it just... It, the manager has to take, I think, the majority of the blame there in that he just shouldn't have started him. Uh, I can understand why Solskjaer did. He'll say, scored the goal, has to start. But he just didn't He didn't cut it. And I know there are a lot of fans defending him, or supposedly a lot of fans defending him on, on Twitter. I didn't see it. I was just told it. And I think that's just a kind of like a symptom of him being a new signing in that yeah, there's always, they get more slack cut for them, um, cut their way, as we've seen, you know, the... the time-served English players at United are unpopular with a certain online demographic, but they don't mind the uh, recently signed English players like wan or Maguire because for these people, Manchester United making a signing because they live quite sad lives, is it, it makes their year. Uh, but if it's Lingard or Young or Jones or Smalling or even Rashford as well, um, it's it's awful. So James got a bit of slack cut. I mean, he's, I know he's not English, but he's he's British, and that's he's that's as Welsh as Hull City is. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait till they find out that he was actually <laughs> born in England. Then they'll really they'll really turn against him. And I suppose the the dilemma now is that. Had he not started in the week, I think a lot of people would have said start him against Crystal Palace because just looking at the team they lined up with against Sheffield United last week, it is championship standard in a lot of lot of areas, particularly in defence. And you'd say start him in that game. It's a home game. Um, it's not on telly. The, the exposure and everything, the, the pressure doesn't feel as amplified as it was for a Monday night game at Wolves who are an excellent side and, and obviously stopped United from winning again. But it just goes to show it. how thin United's squad is though in a way, doesn't it? Like the James merited a start after a deflected goal as a substitute. I mean, fair play is a new signing wants to give him a go, but but I United don't have a right winger, really. Like, I, see I didn't think that was much of an issue. I just I, I I'd have gone with Mata because I thought that because Wolves like to sit back a bit and do try and get you on the counter attack, you've got another player there who can try and control the game, try and make something happen. Mata can make things happen. I know there'll be some out there who, who don't think he should have been given that new contract or whatever, but imagine the lack of options they'd have if they didn't give him that new contract especially since they're, they're trying to get rid of Sanchez as well so the, the, there are the, it's, it's again in up front it's it's quantity over quality in that technically they've got nine forwards to choose from the trouble is three of them are teenagers who've probably got what one competitive start between them um, Daniel James is, only, is a Premier League novice Sanchez they want to get rid of so when you look at that seniority group there there is an awful lot of attention on them and the onus on them to, to, to do something but at the moment they've got a fully fit squad pretty much apart from Bailly so I don't think there was a need to just rush James in um, after he didn't start against Chelsea 
We've mentioned before about players maybe have been scapegoated by United. Darwin, one player who thinks he was scapegoated, Romelu Lukaku, he spoke this <laughs> week uh, in an interview that he actually gave during his time still at United. Solskjaer didn't really want to be pressed on it when he spoke to the press on Friday morning. But what have you made in the way of Lukaku's exit from the club? Do you think he could have handled it in a better way or do you think he had a fair point that two years on he deserved more slack well, than he was given? His goal record suggests that he deserves slack and it's difficult it's difficult with Lukaku I, I was never personally convinced that he fitted uh, at United and even more so when Solskjaer came in he was he was a very Mourinho player if you think of that summer when Mourinho signed um, him and Matic you know it was like a, a move towards a, a physical team physical style of football and now sort of two years down the line we're seeing Solskjaer trying to reverse that policy so yeah with Lukaku for me there will be statisticians who recall his goal stats and say that he was he was a United player I don't particularly buy that argument and I can see why United have moved on from him so you you almost see the grievances in both camps, really. I'm going to sit completely on the fence on this one and say that. Do you think you I mean, I I can already predict that there's got to be some fan reactions next next couple of months of Manchester fans think they made Lukaku a mistake, or whatever, when he scores six for Inter. Yeah, but that three games or in Inter Milan and Antonio Conte in Serie A are playing a completely different style to to Solskjaer's United, and you only have to look at how Martial is thriving in the number nine role, and is a much more mobile, agile fast player than Lukaku was especially in the second half of last season when he seemed to be bulking up and just look ponderous and, and slow on the turn so it's, a bit, it's been a big call from Solskjaer I think it was a big call for them to not sign a, a forward replacement as well puts a lot of faith in the likes of Mason Greenwood teenage you know the teenagers that Sam, Samuel mentioned um, but I think Solskjaer has taken a, a a calculated risk in letting Lukaku go and he's probably right to wash his hands of Lukaku's comments about United as well. The irony of it was that Lukaku's um, representatives made it known to, to some of us that he was going to he was going to remain respectful to United in his attempts to, um, to get a transfer and of course that went out the window as soon as he recorded this podcast that was done I think in Los Angeles in June when he was on holiday he was effectively slacking off his employers it didn't come out until after he's, he's gone to Inter Milan but it's it's besides the point and then there was the training dates video that he published and going AWOL when he was supposed to be training at Carrington the, the flip side to it is from a journalistic perspective I think Lukaku is quite fascinating to listen to he's not your cliched robotic footballer. He's very honest. He's very candid, and that does leave him at the point of you know, where he's got where there are accusations against him of hypocrisy. Because after his last United game against Chelsea in the mix zone, a couple of us spoke to him, and he was asked about you know coming back from pre-season. And he said, "Well, I don't know if I'm going to be here." So he's the one for all him what he's saying about the leaks. He was the one who actually went on record as you know, casting doubt on his future. And that was that Chelsea game, I think, was the last time he actually played for United. So, and, and just getting a little bit more into it, there wasn't a great deal of leaking coming out from United. I know there's this assumption that whenever some of us run certain stories, it's, oh, Edward Edward Woods told you this, Edward Woods told you that. There was nothing coming from Woodward or United, really, on Lukaku at all. It was all 
pretty much independently sourced away from United because I think the position they were in, they weren't going to really comment on a player who was still playing for the club and there was still not a final decision made there. So he he's put it on United and he's trying to shift the blame onto United, but Solskjaer may be off the record. Maybe one day he'll, he'll be a bit more open about what he felt about how Lukaku was conducting himself but he's very conscious of remaining diplomatic on certain matters and not throwing players under the bus because I think he he's well aware of his predecessor style and he wants to be known for being you know quite diplomatic and not getting into those those I think that, I think that's absolutely right to do that you know United United's time <laughs> with Mourinho at the helm was Sort of littered with these comments about players, ex-players hanging people out to dry. So yeah, Sol- Solskjaer just ignores it. Move on. We've got a big important game against Crystal Palace. You know, I think I think everyone can understand that. Even though from a journalistic perspective, it's we, we, yeah, yeah, we would love that war of words, but you know, you have to you have to deal with that. One thing for you to shoot down here, Samuel Fernando Llorente, never <laughs> playing for Manchester United in his career. Uh, I I'd say I'm 99.9 recurring percent certain that Cross won't happen. List. Alexis Sanchez, you know, I still want to sell him. Someone's got to be fooled into buying him, though, haven't they? Solskjaer's playing this quite well, I think, in terms of you know he said, "Oh, he played well in the week," as if like you. Yeah. I, we'll see what happens. In will, will the shot window tactic happen? Um, will it come off? Uh, he's. I think he's played in a couple of behind closed doors games now already Blackburn and Sheffield United they played yeah yeah. I I think the Blackburn game they they won Um, 4-0 the Sheffield United won midweek they won 3-1 so uh, they've they've only got over a week for it to happen I I suspect where this interest has come up we're now that we're getting close to the European deadline it kind of makes sense in a lot of ways because there was no incentive to go for Sanchez earlier on in the window a lot of these deals that they do come about very late on uh, when you know clubs are panicking what have you and a t- one club could yield in, in negotiations so I think from United's perspective they'd, they'd love to get shot of him but I, I still wouldn't be surprised if it's just a loan deal and, and they're obviously in, in the position of probably paying most of his wages I'm sure front two Lukaku and Sanchez is going to terrify Juventus next when is um, Antonio Conte going to get his statue outside Old Trafford for taking uh, Lukaku and Sanchez off United just on a serious note though the caveat to this is that and I spoke to an Italian football expert a couple of weeks ago about um, Matteo Damian and also whether um, a Serie A club may take Marcus Rojo Um, the caveat to it is that United seem like they may be in a position now where they're letting Sanchez go. Um, we're still awaiting Damian and Rojo news, uh, obviously both surplus to requirements. United squad is terribly unbalanced if they end up keeping Damian and Rojo and letting Sanchez leave. They have so many defenders on their books, many of them who aren't particularly in Solskjaer's plans. So I think it's a little bit concerning for supporters to see to see that, even though Sanchez's departure will probably mean uh, more chances for Gomez, Chong and Greenwood. I, I think the defence situation is is very odd and United should have been working harder on, on shipping out those players like Damian and Rojo uh, this summer. At least they're not in the matchday squad, so I guess that's the one. Neither are, Jones, neither are Jones and Smalling, which, which is uh, interesting as well. The thing is, they're, they're their own worst enemies. They gave Rojo a contract and they, they triggered Diamond's extension. It's, 
yeah, just as, as we said, of- as we've said, you know, they they were working on signings one at a time in the summer, so it's not a surprise that they've they probably looked at it and thought, well, maybe one of the European clubs will come in for these players, well, likelier to come in for these players. So hopefully they'll come in, lay out the window. But it's just again, the, the preparation isn't isn't good enough there. Yeah, final point of today's podcast got the game against Crystal Palace on Saturday. Crystal Palace have never beaten United in the Premier League. Surely this isn't the weekend. It seems like a routine win up ahead for United. Yeah, I think it should be. Uh, you know, the way they've been playing against two decent sides um, has been very promising. This is a good chance for United to sort of assert their dominance against the team who are really struggling in Palace, haven't scored, um, haven't won a game yet in the league. Um Obviously, Wilfred Zaha is going to be the, going to be the interesting one to see whether he's energised um, for Palace. Obviously, having seen those big money moves fall through, I think Arsenal, Everton were interested in the in the summer. Um, and interesting that um, Aaron Wambasaka faces his former club as well because he has been the biggest positive for me so far this season. And the way Palace haven't seemed to replace him seem to be concentrating all their efforts on keeping Zaha rather than replacing Wambasaka was a was an odd one from my point of view. But yeah, I'd like to see um I'd like to see Mason Greenwood get a start in this game and um try and find the net, which he didn't do despite having six shots and his last start against Cardiff. So I think there's a lot to look forward to from a United perspective. Yeah, Samuel, there's been a lot of talk on social media saying Greenwood and Gomez could well, fans want them to come in at least. I guess Daniel James dropping out. Would you bring Greenwood in and start him on the right or would you still stick with someone like Matto or maybe put Lingard out there? Or? Um, I mean, Daniel James could still start, of course, as well. Yeah, I, I, I'd, probably, I'd probably bring Matter in. I, know I get the excitement for, for Greenwood. It's, it's one thing doing well in pre-season to you know, going about it in, in the competi- when the competitive season starts. Um, and I think in that... I suspect during that Tottenham game uh, in Singapore, not Singapore, Shanghai, how could I forget? Um, he, he did, he, he wasn't quite up to, he wasn't quite at it in that game. And I suspect maybe Solskjaer looked at that and thought, okay, he's not quite there yet to be a starter in, in real competitive games. Uh, something Solskjaer said in the embargoed section sheds a little bit more light on uh, other players of, of, of similar age to Greenwood in terms of when they might be getting playing time as well uh, again I, th- I thought Massa should have started at Wolves uh, I, I'd probably go with him this weekend I, I guess know. that means that you get the Massa Lingard Co- yeah which positions quite easily can't they well it's, it's th- th- I mean just thinking about it it's that that would be the same front for the Van Gaal settled on in like March 2016. How far United have come, which which is quite remarkable when you look at it from that perspective. And again, that that does reiterate just just how much they needed a, an established forward in the summer. But of course, they they settled with James. Louis Van Gaal was right all along. Who would have known? I wonder whether he'll be, be doing another interview soon yeah. to uh, to proclaim that. I wonder sure. where United would be if he was still in charge. Probably going into the probably game similar to position to what they're in now. Going into the game, which is Palace hoping for a win, probably. But uh, who knows? We shall see. We'll be back next week to analyse whatever happens at Old Trafford this weekend. Dom Samuel, thank you very much thank for joining you. us Thanks. on the Manchester Red podcast. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already, and we'll see you again next time. <laughs>